my mom would always tell me, when you become sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when you'll take action. So finally I said, you know what? I'm tired of not understanding the goals. Like, and the goals just kept moving. So I'm just being transparent with you, family. That was the reason why. I Are you ready to unlock the secret to mastering time management as a project manager? If you are, you're going to want to stay tuned to today's episode. Today's episode is entitled Mastering Time Management for Project Managers. Again, Mastering Time Management for Project Managers. If you're new to the channel, this is your boy ED. For all you smart and intelligent folks out there, listen, that just simply means Ed. As you know, I have a seven-point framework. If you don't, I do. A uh, seven-point framework in which we take, we, we basically from, from uh, a seven-point focal point is focused on seven key items that we believe, right or wrong, um, but it's mostly right, um, that we believe project managers should be looking at, looking at, adhering to, and eventually making adjustments. Everything that we say here is from the PMBOK or from other studies as well as a decade of experience. Now that we got that out the way, let's work. Today's quote is entitled, Time when you harnessed with precision becomes the catalyst that, propel, that propels project managers to the achieve re remarkable feats. Mastering the art of time management empowers us to prioritize, plan, delegate effectively, unlock the path to unrivaled productivity and remarkable project success. Point number one, prioritization and goal setting. Family, when I first started off as a project manager, I didn't do this. Matter of fact, even the second year, I didn't do this. Okay, I'm gonna be honest, it's just you and I, right? The third year, I didn't even do this. It was probably after the third year where I, I, I had got to a point of frustration. You know, my mom would always tell me, when you become sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when you'll take action. So finally, I said, you know what? I'm tired of not understanding the goals. Like, and the goals just kept moving, so, I'm just being transparent with you, family. That was the reason why I just stopped looking for gold because it just, you know, it felt like we were running scrum in a waterfall environment and I just didn't make sense. And so finally I said, you know what? I'm not going to allow that to get in the way. I'm going to actually put some goals in place and just start prioritizing those tasks uh, with those goals. So the reason why prioritization and goal setting is important because it allows you, like I mentioned, to be able to prioritize the task and set clear goals, not muddy goals, but very clear goals that align with the project objectives. And by focusing on high priority activities and setting realistic, I'm sorry, that kind of came out wrong, but setting realistic <laughs> milestones. You, you, can you tell I love this? I do. Uh, setting realistic milestones, you can assure that the time is allocated effectively and efficiently. Point number two, effective planning and scheduling. Now you know my you know what I'm gonna say. If you if you haven't, here we go. If you failed to plan, you plan to fail. I gotta look up who, who I love that quote. Uh, anyway, point number two, effective planning and scheduling. You literally have to be always looking at your, like every day you should be looking at your schedule every day. Not just once in a no, every day, because 
you want to make sure that the planning that you put up, that you put in place, if there's an opportunity to pivot, and I said opportunity because most people don't like to pivot once they put this massive schedule together, like, no, we are not moving, we're not adjusting anything, but well, what happened if you're not able to get a certain piece of equipment because of customs or because of delays from the manufacturer? So you have to be, your schedule at times will become fluid, even though you don't want it to. I, I'm not going to lie. I hate changing it, but I know it's appropriate. I know it fits the situation because you do do a lot of upfront planning if you are an exceptional project manager. And sometimes you'll find out all of that upfront planning may have to get destroyed and you may have to start over and you have to be willing to accept that and willing to make those adjustments and pivot. Point number three, delegation and team empowerment. I have to be honest with you, family. This is a this is an area that I definitely struggle in. Not team empowerment. I, I excel there. Like I'm always empowering the team and wanting to see them win and, you know, over communicating on things that I, I know I should I you know other people only tell me once and expect for me to pick it up and so but I don't do what other people do now I want to be fair across the board because remember uh, family you are the coach so you can't get your emotions involved in well dang that person only sent me a, a, a message once and expect that it's supposed to happen but I got to send multiple uh, uh, messages this is why they pay you because you are the project manager so but where I struggle at is delegation um, because it's it's one of those things when you become a project manager, if you're not one already, it's you start developing. Hey, I'm just telling on myself. I'm just being honest, though, family. You start developing a control thing like you're like, OK, we agreed on this. When are you going to deliver? OK, next. Do you have a task item that you owe me? When are you going to deliver? And the delegation part comes in is like when I first had my very first project coordinator and we were working side by side and he <laughs> one day he just tapped me he was like listen he was like listen Edward man um I don't know why I'm here to support you he was like you're doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing I said I'm sorry man I'm just so used to it but that's not an excuse uh to set you up for success so I'll pull back I said let's start small and let's start with uh you doing meeting recaps and let me review it just to make sure that um, um, the notes that I have, if there's anything else I can add and you can send it out, you can get the, so you can start looking, you know, like the star that I, I see in you, the potential I see in you. So um, that's, that's where I started trying to get better family, but delegation for me is just like, I just wanna, I, I like creating a sense of urgency. And I learned that from Patrick, uh, Patrick Bet David when he said creating a sense of urgency, like people like to hem and haul, they like to give me reasons why, and I, I'm like, you focus on all the wrong information. So I'll just rather go ahead and take it over. But that is not what makes you, you know, that I found out you will just burn yourself out. So being able to delegate uh, and and have trust in your team that they'll actually deliver on what they said they were going to do. Time blocking and chunking point number four. I love this technique. So um, one of the things I do as a project manager, um, let's say I have meeting notes or I need to uh, update the project plan, I will set a meeting for myself to update the project plan. Reason why I do that is because it minimizes the distraction and improves my focus because I'm only focusing on this thing here. There's nothing else that I need to focus on. And it also helps me when I'm uh, following up with people to make sure the project uh, deliveries are in place. But here's the chunky aspect. So 
when um, I'm looking to do some chunking, I may say, okay, uh, and, and when, I say when I say time blocking and chunking, I know some people look at those two different. I kind of align them together, but it's really more or less of creating your own space to work in and then just go execute it in that time that you have. Don't, don't do all these different things. There's a book out by Gary Keller. It's called um, The One Thing. Really excellent book. If you want to understand about trying to do 13 different things, it just doesn't work, family. I've tried it, and they and, and I've even read where it said, if let's say you had two items and you focus 100% into that item, or excuse me, if you had two items and you focus 60% over here on one item and 40% on the other, then it's like, well, what if you just took that 40% and just really put through everything into that, and you would get you would get along, you would get further and faster. So. Anyway, let's go on to point number five. Point number five, effective what? Communication and meeting management. Listen, I hate to meet just to meet. You know how that is, family. People just be, hey, let me put a, a meeting on your calendar. You're like, okay. And there's no agenda. There's no purpose of what we're here to meet for. And you frustrated. You're like, what are we here to meet about? Oh, I just wanted to talk to you about my grandma. And she went down the street and she got a loaf of white bread. And then she went and got some jelly. I'm like, hey, listen, respectfully, I mean, I don't know what you're working on, but I am super busy and I would prefer that next time you meet with me that we have agenda or, purp or a purpose enclosed in the meeting invite so I at least can be prepared to discuss with you as well as that um, we're not wasting each other time. So making sure you find efficient communication and management uh, techniques is going to be huge. Like I, I just gave you two putting an agenda in the meeting invite as well as a purpose. And then on top of that, what you want to do, um, if you're leading the, the meeting, um, I haven't really seen the success that I, that I believe you should get because I'm noticing a lot more emails are coming through. Um, but I also would send an email of saying, hey, this meeting is, a, is um, happening and then the next hour, here's all the information in the meeting invite. Um, and the only reason why I didn't see that as, as effective as maybe pinging someone in Slack or Teams or, or one of those type of platforms is because you get, you get abundance of emails sometimes or you're copied on a lot of emails. You're just, you, you, if, you're, if you're following point number four when you're doing time blocking and chunking, you may say, okay, for the next two hours, I have dedicated to answer all emails and follow up on stuff. Other, after that, I'm, I'll, be, I'll, visit, I'll revisit that another time. So again, when you're in a meeting um, and you're, and also even in with your communication, you want it to be purposeful, you want it to be focused, and you also want to ensure that it's result orientated as well as that it's, it's, it's a collaborative approach. I, I don't know how many times I've gotten on meetings and it's not a collaborative approach. It's the project manager doing all the talking or uh, leadership doing all the talking and it's just like, and you're just listening and quiet. I remember, I think it was uh, Simon Sinek had shared a story similar to that. And I think I may bring that story back. It was an excellent story about uh, when there's only one person talking in a meeting. And he gave an example uh, about a chief who uh, was the last person to speak. And that's how I feel. I think the project manager sets the tone but they should be the last person to speak in the meeting. It's not all about the project manager leading the meeting. Yeah, that's awesome, but there's other aspects there that are required 
from the team. And, but when you're on a good collaborative team, you don't have to worry about that. You can lead the meeting knowing that they're going to jump in. And, and I've been on some amazing teams where they have just jumped in and I, and I was leading the meeting. But it was so good. It was so much good synergy and collaboration that it was like, psh, hey, uh, I had no problem with it. Point number six, proactive risk management. Listen, you have to understand um, risk management because this is going to really save you time and preventing delays um, in your project. So the earlier you're able to identify risk, develop a mitigation plan, monitor that risk continuously, you can avoid a lot of setbacks. Last point, and this is one of my favorite, I probably should have started with this first, but it's continuous improvement and self-reflection. You know, family, um, one of the reasons that I believe self-reflection is key, it allows you to see where your areas of opportunities are. What I, how I translate areas of opportunity, meaning what could I have done better there? How could I have I handled, you know, I, I recently... Had got you know frustrated family. I mean, it's is we're, we're normal, and the frustration always comes from the expectation. It was it was a certain expectation that I had from a resource, and they weren't delivering. And it was it just kept happening over and over. And, and one thing when you work in a matrix organization, a lot of times you can't just be like, all right, get him out of there. Let me get this. Up. You have to go through a process, and going through that process, it wasn't uh, I, it wasn't fun because. I knew the resource could bring a lot to the table. It was just that we just weren't aligned. And that's fine, but we still got to figure out a way to work together. So what I got from that encounter, it was just, I have to do a better job of attacking the problem faster. And I'm already fast at attacking problems and creating a sense of urgency. But I probably could have nipped this in the bud earlier, as they would say. But I was I was trying to allow for that person to understand I'm for them and not against them. And you you'll have that a lot as a project manager. Like people will feel that you're trying to take the credit or take over. And it's not about neither one of those two because I don't win unless you guys win. So I'm gonna make sure you guys look so good that they're gonna say, Wow, you did all of that by yourself? Yeah, they did. So Again, family, I, I, this is one of my favorites of being able to, to do self-reflection. Uh, some people call it the lessons learned, but I say doing a, a self-reflection at the beginning of the project, the middle and the end, and just even th throughout when you feel like it's necessary, where it feels something that just didn't align and make sense, is really going to add a lot of value to you as well as to the organizations you work, organization you work for. This has been your boy ED. Until next time, I'm out.